0: back.
1: Well, welcome back to another episode of Parker's Pensies. This is a podcast where we explore thoughts in philosophy, theology, nature, and life. I love thinking about cool stuff. So come think with me. Today's podcast is going to be uh it's gonna be theological, but it's more in the the life category. We're gonna be talking uh with Dr. Warren Lamb, uh Pastor Warren Lamb. There's all sorts of titles that uh that Warren Lamb has accumulated, but uh, he said, just call him pastor or just call him Warren. He's that kind of guy. He's awesome. So we're going to be talking about biblical counseling and his time in psychology and uh, wherever the conversation takes us. So I'm really excited for for this episode. So without further ado, let's just jump right in. Warren, thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Thanks, Parker. It's uh, it's an honor and privilege. I've, I've taken a look at few of your episodes and i'm kind of excited to be here
1: oh awesome man that's that's so great to hear well so you have such a cool story um i want to get into biblical what is biblical counseling what is psychology but I, I thought we could do that through your own story because you've you, you got a really cool one so can you tell us first like how, how'd you get into psychology
0: okay um i i kind of half joke that i was raised by hyenas and potty trained at gunpoint <laughs> um um, I did not grow up in the church and, um, when I separated from the Marine Corps in 1978, um, I w- I wanted to figure out why am I such a mess and how do I not become my father? Yeah. Um, we had GI, the GI Bill back in those days. And so I was able to go to school and UW, uh, university of Washington had a brand new, brand new focus in their child psychology department. And that was trauma, children and trauma. hmm While having, you know, had a pretty traumatic childhood, I thought, well, that's where I'm going to go. They had an, it was a five year intensive where you did your clinical work while you were actually taking classes. So Mm -hmm. instead of doing seven, eight years, you ended up with five. So here I am, a a fresh PhD in clinical psychology, and I've got more questions than answers. I'm even more of a mess than when I started five years before. Yeah. Um, and I kept seeing myself become more and more my father. Yeah. It got to the place where I felt really pretty desperate. Um, And so I was at it just at a complete end of myself. And a fellow invited me to go to a Christian parenting class at the church he was part of.
1: W- were you a Christian at this time, Warren?
0: Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, no. Uh, but you were a parent, I I grew up. Okay. So I grew up influenced by, well, I tell people a lot of families had, uh, Bibles or family albums or those kinds of things on their coffee tables. We had a Ouija board. Oh, wow. Okay. So I had real monsters under my bed and in my closet.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. But I grew up around, uh, Eastern mysticism, um, shamanism on my mother's side. Uh, she's native American. Um, also heavily influenced by um, um, uh, the, the deeper uh, spirituality uh, Shinto and Buddhism Zen Buddhism sure. of traditional Japanese martial arts which was a big part of my life growing up as well okay so those were my spiritual influences Wow so I was anything but Christian yeah as a matter of fact I had no patience with Christians yeah um, they just didn't get it they were clueless about the real world. Right. So but here I am in this Christian parenting class and I tell people that I walked out of that class angrier and more hopeless than ever before, because there was nothing that I thought I knew about parenting that was good or right. Nothing. Yeah. And you and you did your
1: pitch. Well, you did your Ph.D. on on childhood trauma. Right. So um, so you would expect that you would know something about parenting and what not to do, at least. Right.
0: Well, okay, here's a foundational breakdown between Christianity
3: mm-hmm.
0: and psychology. Yeah. Okay. The six pillars of psychology, modern psychological theory, are atheism. Well, in Christianity, we're not just monotheists. We believe that God there is one God and He's triune in nature. Amen. You yeah. can't get any more f- further apart than that. Right. But wait, but wait, there's more. The 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 second pillar is darwinism Mm -hmm. so we we weren't specifically and specially created by a creator
3: right
0: we're just an accident of whatever Mm -hmm. then naturalism so all all that there is is all that there is all there was the opening line of cosmos carl sagan yeah right right he basically said there is no god Yeah. the cosmos is all there is all there was all there ever will be right
3: Uh
0: Uh um but we believe in, in supernaturalism. Mm-hmm. We believe that there are, there are beings other than what you can see in the natural world. And we also believe in miracles.
1: And that we ourselves have an immaterial soul.
0: Well, that's materialism.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Right?
0: So they're materialists. So what you see is what you get. Yep. We are dualists. We believe mm-hmm. in the immaterial and the material part of it. One of the ironic things about me uh, or about this whole thing Suke right yeah, exactly. How do you study the soul from a perspective that man doesn't have a soul? Yeah, a word
1: about the soul, Suke yeah it's right. I, I've I found that once I started studying uh, some Greek here at
0: Ted's, yeah. I was like, Suke, what the heck hey Yeah and then yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Then there's nihilism. Mm-hmm. There is really no purpose or meaning to life and when you die, you die that's all there is. right Well, we're Christianity is based on optimism. Yeah. That God created the optimum universe to accomplish his optimum best will. Right. Right. And then humanism. Man is basically good and we can find the answers that we need within ourselves. Yeah. And we hold to, apart from me, you can do nothing according to Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. There's salvation in no one else. Right. Yeah. So when you take a look at the six pillars of psychology and just the six pillars of Christianity, also biblical counseling, they're diametrically opposed on every level. Right. You you can't blend Yahweh worship and golden calf worship. Yeah. It's never worked. Right. So but I didn't um, understand that. I didn't understand that. Yeah. Well, what, what's interesting is Carl Jung was a Spiritist, he's the only grand, father of any psychological system who wasn't an atheist. Okay, That's interesting. he was very much into spiritism. He borrowed a lot of stuff from the Sumerian religion, mm-hmm. you know, collective consciousness and all that other kind. Of, even the personality types and, and archetypes and all of that. Yeah, That's he borrowed stuff. There's no science behind any of that.
1: Right, right, right. Well,
0: and, growing up with a somewhat of a spiritual background, I was drawn toward that.
1: Interesting. Okay. So would you would you have considered yourself a union psychologist, or, or influenced mostly by him, or?
0: Well, yeah mostly, but there was some stuff that I was just like, yeah, sure, Carl. You know, <laughs> <laughs> sure. sure. Yeah, he, he sounded very 60s to me. Okay. in some of, some of his stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and remember, I grew up in the late 60s, early 70s, so all of that heavy influence of the Maharishi Yogi and Transcendentalization oh, yeah. and, and all that stuff, right? So all that stuff was a heavy influence at the time. So a lot of young stuff smack
1: of that yeah sure yeah that makes sense so i i read a lot of Philip k dick and it's it's just the exact same thing it's the same i don't read it for his theology i like the stories and and it's yeah. they're pretty dark you know i gotta read my bible and pray uh, before and after but uh yeah it, it, it's the same thing it's that psychedelic kind of stuff uh there's not everything doesn't need to be neat and t- together it's kind of intuitive and just yeah i'll throw this at the wall and see what sticks
0: yeah, yeah. Well, and think about it. That that demonstrates the reality that we have an intuitive sense yeah. of greater than us.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 really good. I wanted. There's a couple of things I wanted to follow up too. Um, so you said you, you said that um, you had this the Native American influence from your other side, and then um, uh, you Shinto Shinto Buddhism from from martial art martial
0: arts. What what kind of martial arts were you practicing? So I started training in Bujutsu. Which cool. um, Bujutsu is the traditional um, discipline of the Imperial Guard?
2: Well, okay,
0: they, they they weren't allowed to have oh, to have weapons in the presence of the Emperor, but they but if they were attacked by armed armed assailants, they had to be okay. able to disarm them and use the weapons. So you train both armed and un, unarmed.
1: Okay, and, um, and is that Japan? That's a Japanese right? Very much, very okay. much. Okay.
0: Um, and then I got into uh, Aikido, which is. Stay away. If you're Christian, stay the heck away from Aikido. Okay. The way of divine harmony. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got into some other disciplines that were darker. Yeah. Um, always looking for that source of power. Always looking for that way of not not having to feel powerless anymore.
1: Interesting. And and that's that was from like your your childhood experience Absolutely. of feeling okay powerless.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. which is why I pursued, you know, uh, uh, being a scout sniper and force recon in the Marine Corps, because I'm going to be the scariest guy on the planet. Yeah. nobody would think about, think about, think about doing anything to hurt me. Right. All to try to protect myself as an later in life in ways I couldn't when I was a child.
1: Yeah. Uh, Warren, did you I I don't know my dates very well when it comes to um, wars and stuff like that. Did you see active duty?
0: so i was at so i went in 74 and 75 there was we were still in southeast asia okay and i was um we were our unit was training at on point okinawa okay when there was an incident um it's called the mag incident um in 1975 we got deployed with the fourth as, a, as a, an attachment to basically, um, um, the Cambodians had, had captured the SS Mayaguez, which mm-hmm. was actually the USS Mayaguez. it was a spy trawler. Okay, but um, and they sent the fourth over to get it back. And we were part of that deployment. Okay. So um, that was 1975. I had I'd basically been in not quite a year at that point.
1: Okay. Wow. So, so you went from there and appa- apparently the, being a Marine sniper, which is pretty awesome, uh, did not give you that kind of, it didn't, it didn't, uh, tie up the loose ends of your childhood. It didn't give you well, that no, kind and
0: of then, And then, because, and that was going to, that was, that was going to be my career. That was going to be my life. Okay. Then I got injured and couldn't do the job anymore. Wow. So they offered me a, a different billet, which would be sitting at a desk forever or to take a medical retirement, so I took the medical retirement. Okay. Decided I was, you know, I got to do something else with my life.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a it seems like a really big change, right? So you went from like this, this, like kind of meathead. You know, I could say that because I was a wrestler too. You're this meathead. This is how I'm gonna uh, handle life. I'm gonna be the toughest dude. To being a, a thinker and and feeler, really a psychology. You know, I'm gonna get into the deep parts of my soul and and figure out what's going on in there. How did that that's a. I'd seemed pretty drastic.
0: First book, psychology book at eleven.
1: Oh wow. So you're already to, thinking.
0: I'm trying to figure out what was wrong
1: with <laughs> me that long. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So so well, just really quickly, actually I want to backtrack. So when you were in in, uh, in Japan in, in Okinawa, was that was that a big moment for you? Because you've been you'd been training uh, in these different disciplines. It felt
0: and stuff. Like coming home to me. Okay. It felt very much like coming home to me.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting yeah so so then you went from um, you went from the Marines and you you had to what is it called when you're injured and you can't it, and you can't uh, uh, be in active duty anymore?
0: Uh, disabled me- medically I was medically retired I became
1: medically retired yeah, yeah medically
0: retired because I so yeah I was um, I was injured but not wounded. okay, so they have two categories of medical medical retirement medical disability okay. What, one what's it being wounded? and what is the result of being injured.
1: Um. Yeah. Is wounded more like serious than injured? Or
0: yeah. Usually, it's be, it's because of direct enemy action.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Mine was just being stupid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want to share that, or should we just keep going? Well, let's just keep going.
0: <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I know, I, there's enough stupid to go around. I don't have to... a. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's plenty on my side as well. So, um, okay. So then you get into psychology, and. Uh, can you explain, like, why why you wanted to go? Oh, well, you said you wanted to go into trauma because of your your childhood or childhood trauma. Um, did did you write a dissertation for that?
0: I did, um, and what I talked about was the, the we a lot of people in Christian circles talk about um, generational curses.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What I was what I was um, l- looking at was um, how. Um, basically abuse traumatic, relate, you know, traumatic relational patterns. Yeah. Get passed from one generation to another.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: So I learned in the process of all of that, I learned about my father's history and then my grandfather's history. And for you at that time,
1: I, I know it was a while back to, to try and get into to that headspace. Um, did you see it as like a, 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 supernatural or spiritual kind of disposition or being passed down or was it more you know there's like the nature versus nurture question was it more because the behaviors learned
0: i think i think i still even back then i understood it was a both and okay i've never really been comfortable with the greek mindset uh a dichotomous mindset of either or okay i've always had a very just seem to have been very comfortable with the hebrew mindset of both and
1: okay so, so well in my head when i hear that i always think there, there's like the uh there's really quick and fast uh distinctions in philosophy where they say well easterns you know they think this way and westerns think this way westerns are the either or and but but you're saying hebrews w- would say the both and um yeah,
0: much so even though even the structure of the language yeah because when they talk you know you got future prophecy that's in the past tense why is that
1: ah uh, yeah right? okay Yeah, that's interesting. I only took a semester of Hebrew, so uh, uh, maybe I should take some more.
0: Well, like you were talking about earlier, I I was really blessed uh, 100 years ago when I was at at SADS. Mm -hmm. I had uh, Old Testament exegetics with Walter Kaiser. So um, he's the one actually that helped me understand the difference in those two mindsets and actually track that even through the letters of Paul.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's man that's so cool. What a what a legend to be able to to study with. And yeah, there's a few that you've studied with that we, that we can get into. So you you, you talked you you learned and you wrote a dissertation on childhood psycho or childhood trauma and but then you said that that didn't help you understand yourself at all.
0: It helped me understand myself a little, a little better. Okay. But you can understand the why all day long, but yeah. so what now is the, mm. the, what you need. Okay. It's like so what? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, now I know all this. I, I got this all explained. Now what? I have no idea. I've got this disassembled mess in my lap, and I have no idea what to do with all the pieces.
1: Yeah. Do did the, did the tools of psychology help you accurately understand yourself? Um, because I mean, earlier you said there's all these tenants and stuff, but are there some tools that, that are still good in there?
0: The problem with psychology is psychology does not see us as created beings. Yeah. It absolutely does not... Recognize, or acknowledge, or celebrate the imago day. Yeah, it's not even; it doesn't even exist. Right? You can't you can't know yourself without at least a, 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 a fundamental understanding of the imago day and what it me, what it means?
1: Yeah, and then I'm, I'm sure you know the category of sin is a really big deal, with, which they don't have.
0: No, 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 we have disease. We don't have sin. Ah, right. Yeah, we have we have dysfunction. Right, we don't have abuse, we don't have anger, we don't have pride, we don't have, you know, we don't have any of that. Yeah, we, we just have dysfunction.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting because I, I, I'm sure there's psychologists who specialize in working with like prisoners and you know inmate stuff, and there's a you know theory of uh, retributive justice that's you know different than that psychological view that we're just it's not. There's not really a moral wrong going on, or if there is, it's because of dis- dysfunction. But it seems like the the self and the agent kind of gets pushed out.
0: Uh, intentional yeah, well, action. The world of psychology and psychiatry is more person focused. Okay. So even when you take a look at what they call disorders, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm I'm finishing a book right now on narcissism, hmm. and the idea that, that that it's a personality disorder. It's just a made-up construct. There really is no such thing as personality disorder. Mm -hmm. They categorize it as a. a, They categorize someone with NPD if the the this relational pattern that they've fine-tuned is causing them discomfort. Is causing the the person problems for them. Then it's a disorder. But if they're perfectly fine with it, they're just a narcissist. So psychology and psychiatry don't even really address it.
1: Wow. That's a, that's big because if it's a problem for everyone, that, that seems like that's what narcissism is. It's you're self-focused. And so why would it be a problem for you? Unless yeah. I guess you start recognizing that it's affecting people, but then you're starting to lose your narcissism.
0: Well, then, then the question, because are you just, are you truly a narcissist or are you just strongly narcissistic?
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: we have to remember parker that words matter right right well the 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 world the enemy has been co-opting biblical language and biblical concepts for a very long time yeah right Mm -hmm. we have to take our words back yeah right even we even the even the idea of personality disorder well what is personality do you yeah. know that 50% of the people diagnosed with um, um, borderline personality disorder within five years no longer meet the criteria for being mm. holding that diagnosis?
1: That's interesting. Is that
0: it's is fluid. it's fluid, it's not set, it's not fixed. Yeah. Matter of fact, the scientific studies all the way back to 2003 demonstrate that as a person gets older, they're personalities transitions even more
3: mm-hmm.
0: 20s is a key time but then in their 50s and 60s tra- it, it transitions even in greater degrees
1: wow is there, are there um, other um there biological reasons for that
0: no <laughs> other wow. than maturing sure right yeah we, we, have to, we have to remember we are synergistic holes
1: uh-huh right yeah, psychosomatic unity, right? Yeah, soul and body. So
0: we are mind. Mm-hmm. We are body. We are soul. Spirit, yeah. Spirit, right? We are those things. We don't have those things. Right. We are those things. Right. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've been exposed to the idea of conditional unity and all of that, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, so, but think about it. The, the final judgment does not occur for the saved or the lost until... The, the full material and immaterial aspects of every person are reunited, and then the judgment. Yeah, yeah, right. So we step into the rest of eternity as synergistic whole. Mm-hmm. But what impacts one aspect of us impacts the other. Yeah. The Psalms of David make that very, very clear.
1: I think that's a really important point to note um, nowadays, especially because... A lot of people have, a lot of Christians have uh, in theology or biblical studies have gone into thinking, you know, we are physical, uh, a physicalist picture of, of ourselves because they're getting, I think, you know, I don't want to be rude to their psychology or anything, but I think because they're getting pressure from the sciences and sort of saying, yeah, fine, we'll just take that too. And we'll say that we are physical only. And then there are some who push back really hard and they have more of a platonic view of the soul and the body is bad. But what, what you're emphasizing well, here is so important. What's that? That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, you can have some secret knowledge and and it all yeah, spiritual uh,
0: the spiritual and we demonize the material.
1: Right, right. And and what you're emphasizing, I think, rightly, is that the the biblical notion that the the body is good and the spiritual is good, but being apart from the body is is not good. Paul said to be apart with the the, from the body is to be present with the Lord, and that's a good thing, but that's not the original creation. We weren't made to be disembodied. Spirits.
0: Well, you think about it. You, you, Paul even talks about the day of the restoration. Mm. Right? Yeah, You've got the big reset button, right?
1: right? Right. And and I think that well, that's a big a big problem. So I, I disciple uh, college students, and most of us, uh, when we start talking about heaven, we think of something from The Simpsons. We think of someone floating around, we're playing a harp, and then we, you know, I, I bring up the the new creation, the heavens and the new heavens and the new earth, yeah. and that we're going to have a new body, and most of us haven't got to that point in our American theology that, Oh wait, the body, we're going to get a new body and being, I don't,
0: I don't think that's good language though.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Help me
0: out. We get a resurrected body, not a new one. Jesus has the same body he had, but it's a resurrected glorified body.
1: Yeah. Renewed body renewed. Yeah. Renewed. Yeah, yeah. 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 Not brand new. Not, not eight feet tall. Yeah, because some people will go that route too. You know, I'm gonna yeah, I'm going to be eight feet tall. When, and it's well, it's like, not like
0: God has it has this closet full of brand new bodies, and He's just waiting for souls to put into them.
1: Right. Right.
0: But that's a yeah. picture some people have. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. And I think um, that that well, that view of the the whole self is so important. Um, yeah. uh, uh, apologetically, when we want to talk about well we don't have a soul, you know, there's this case of this guy with a railroad spike in his head and it changes personality. Well, yeah, that, that makes sense because we're embodied souls. We're, we're soul, we're solely bodied or, or however you want to say it. We we in unity.
0: One of the areas of study that I've been involved in deeply for over 20 years is neuroplasticity of the brain. Yeah. Okay. And I write on this, I teach on this. Uh, it, uh one of the presentations I do, um, is, um, Uh, Washing with the water of the word, science and scripture finally agree. Hmm. And so when it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. Metamorpho. It's a passive verb. Mm -hmm. It's something that's done to us or for us. By the renewing of your mind, it's a present imperfect, which means renew and continue to renew. Yeah. All means to replace with new. That doesn't mean freshen up the old. Hmm. Okay. So as we saturate on the word of God, we establish brand new neural pathways and those those neural pathways get stronger we develop neural bundles we develop new habits yeah and the old ones atrophy atrophy at, at, because of disuse be transformed by the renewing of your mind yeah I, I think about it. There, there's an incredible scientific principle articulated by the holy spirit through paul in romans 12 2 right there
1: yeah that's that's so fantastic. So I, I first learned about that uh, in in fighting and battling uh, with porn addiction in college, and hearing about people talk about these neural ruts. That the more you do something, the more you think about something, the more you're you're contemplating it. You're you're having these ruts, these pathways, and you're making them deeper and deeper, and it becomes easier to slip into that. Yeah. And uh, same thing with like chess or any any anything you're you're focusing on.
0: Yeah, learn a language, learn to play a musical yeah. instrument, d- decide you're going to become. Let's say you're right-handed. Let's we'll decide tomorrow, from tomorrow forward, you're going to do everything left-handed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Eventually, you would be as refined with your left hand as you are with your right
1: hand. Yeah. Well, oh, Warren, d- does our neuroplasticity uh, decrease over time? Do we become less plastic?
0: No. What's surprising about that is it's it's a it's a, it's a a characteristic of the human brain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: that That's why you get people with... with because of uh, neuroplasticity, you've got people who struggle with Alzheimer's and other hmm. neurological diseases that, that affect memory and behavior and attitude and things like that. Because of neuroplasticity, they actually can experience healing.
3: Hmm.
0: Neurology is just now delving into this. and In the world of psychology, just the last four or five years has really started looking at this. Yeah but we've been doing it like our ministry for over 30 years. We have people physically read scripture out loud, one piece of scripture, the same piece of scripture, physically read that piece of scripture out loud a hundred times every day for a week, okay? So as you saturate on that, that now becomes your default go-to. Yeah. Right? So it it takes um, 300 repetitions, to establish a new neural connector okay it's 63 days of repeating you actually have a new neural bundle and a new habits and wow. established yeah you continue to reinforce that that becomes your way of life right yeah. Blessed is the man who's not walking the way of the wicked or standing in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. His delight is in the law of the Lord and on him is his law. He meditates day and night. Well, the word meditate isn't what I grew up with. It hmm. actually comes from animal husbandry and it means to chew the cud.
1: Just sitting there chewing on it. Yeah.
0: Ruin, yeah. It. yeah. Right. So if you're saturating on the word of God, if, if you eat a salad. You don't go, okay, I need these nutrients here, these nutrients here. No, your metabolism does that.
1: Yeah, and it's becoming you.
0: So as we, once we surrender our heart and life to Christ, Christ indwells us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit wrote the Word of God. If you're saturating on the Word of God, you're providing the Holy Spirit with the raw materials he will use to bring the transformation. Yeah. The passive verb, be transformed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's why it's a passive verb and it's it's the Holy Spirit working in your heart, but he's promised to, you know, speak to us through the word and through your mind.
0: Through the yeah. mind. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And
0: I, renewing of your mind.
1: Right. That's that's a key uh point that I've I've picked up along the way uh between like our, our Christian understanding of meditation and Eastern or you know, the American Eastern uh view of meditation, where it's empty your mind. And the Christian view is, you know, yeah, we meditate too, but our meditation—it's not—it's not a Zen uh, koan or koan, however you say it. It's—it's it's scripture you memorize, that. put um, that in your mind.
0: The, yeah, koan—the—the—the the, the sense nonsensical riddle in Buddhism. Right,
1: right. Yeah, so we're not—we're not just blank uh, blank slating it, and we're not just thinking of some crazy riddle to transcend well, no, our reason. You reasoning. swept
0: the house, and you know, <laughs> what, what was that, Warren? You swept the house, and everybody's gone. Right? Yeah.
1: Right, right, right. You know, we're trying to fill up the house with with scripture, which the Holy Spirit uses. But it's so interesting too that that the, the the neural the neuroscience is catching up and showing us that this is actually transforming our brain, and that's what we're that's the interaction that our mind has to our physical body. And
0: yeah, I just I just read an art was just reading an article a couple of days ago. Um, it was talking about there's there's a bridge between left and right hemisphere that that. About one in four thousand children end up not having, oh, wow. um, and so the left and right hemispheres don't communicate well now um, because corp- me- it's 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 not the corpus
1: callosum is it is that, what-
0: um, that's what they yeah. cut when you have seizures yeah. I guess. But there's a disease that starts with an a. I can't remember what it's called right. Okay. Now. Anyway, um, I've been kind of sick, so my brain isn't, my mind isn't completely, you know, portion portion. Porsche on the road. (laughs) Um, But what's interesting about it is they've discovered because of neuroplasticity, about half of those people don't really experience a a difficulty because you have, instead of interspherical, you have intraspherical within the different spheres. Mm -hmm. plasticity of the brain actually finds a workaround so it bridges a gap in other ways in other areas. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, that's that's so cool it, it, to me. You know, it, it just clearly shows God's design and His wisdom in making us not just these fixed things that we do this one purpose, and that's. But we have we can learn different things, and we can, and even when there's a problem, they can fix itself and get around.
0: And but, but think about it, God never intended us. For us to die, mm-hmm. death is a most unnatural invasion of the creation of, of all. Right, we were, we, our, our bodies were created and intended to endure everlastingly.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Think about people that you you've known or people you've heard of that have done made horrible decisions with their health, and they've lived into the eighties, nineties, even to hundred. Yeah, that's not because of anything special about them. That's God's design.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, amen. That's, that's so huge. What,
0: what's fascinating to me about all of this is scripture or, or science continues to demonstrate the depth of wisdom and insight in the scriptures. Yeah. Even yeah. As all this talk about neuroplasticity, we have watched that saturating on scripture, they're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've actually watched several thousand people's lives. I mean, we're talking about deep, besetting sin bondage Mm
3: -hmm.
0: you know all kinds of addictions um um, uh, same-sex attraction narcissism Mm -hmm. uh, diagnosed with bipolar or diagnosed with schizophrenia all of those kinds of things
2: yeah
0: doesn't matter what the problem is everyone lives their life based on what they believe to be most true
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right so in in our counseling ministry and in the teaching that we do we tell our, tell our uh, biblical counselors, look, it doesn't matter what the breakdown is in a person's life, it's always going to come down to three fundamental things. The very first uh, um, problem is going to be a lack of a solid grasp on their identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. If they've never surrendered their heart and life to Christ, well, that's an easy, that's an easy fix. Right. The problem is many people have surrendered their heart and life to Christ, but they're still in bondage to the relics of death, decay, sins, unresolved sin, evils they've suffered and the lies they've come to believe. Yeah. So first, it's identity in Christ. The next thing is a a solid enough understanding of the nature and character of God and what that means. Yeah. Then the third is a solid confidence in the nature and character of God and how that intersects with a person's life. Yeah, that's that. That's what we're foundationally focusing on. No matter what the brokenness is, yeah, the cure is always going to be the same. Hmm. It's just how we approach that and how we help a person access those things. Yeah, but it comes always comes down foundationally to saturating on the truth.
1: Yeah, Warren, would you say that that uh, is a yep a, a, a description of biblical counseling in general?
0: Um, I often say that biblical counseling is focused discipleship in a problem area in a person's life for a season.
1: Can you say that one more time?
0: Biblical counseling is focused discipleship.
1: Focused discipleship.
0: In a problem area. Problem area. Of a person's life.
1: Of a person's life.
0: For a season.
1: For a season. Okay. Okay.
0: We are all involved in one another in discipling relationships. Yep. Okay. Now my primary area of counseling focus is trauma survivors. Okay. And I do a lot of what they call high-end counseling. Yeah. So we're talking about, you know, long-term childhood trauma, um, uh domestic oppression, domestic violence, uh sex trafficking, kidnapping survivor, wow. You know, sole lone survivor, you know, the whole family's murdered and one person survived, that kind of stuff, right? That's
1: called high-end?
0: Yeah, they call that high-end. Those are intensive Intensive. Uh, you have to be very gentle, very careful. You have to be prayed up all the time. Yeah. Um. You have to be able to understand some of the nuances of the uh, of the influences of these traumas. Okay. Um, in order to be really effective. Sure. The world is talking about it. The biblical counseling world is all of a sudden talking about trauma. Yeah. Well, some of us have been doing trauma counseling for decades. Well, that's, that's what I was interested
1: to hear, that you were already doing trauma work because – I know it's starting to seep into theology, and some—I uh, have a friend who just wrote his dissertation on theology and trauma, and and I know about it from him. But it's so interesting that that you kind of had a finger on the pulse this whole time.
0: Well, again, it was—I was trying to figure out why I was such a mess and how do I how do I not be?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I I was my own guinea pig because mm-hmm. nobody was doing that kind of counseling back in the late '80s and early '90s, especially with male survivors.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's an, another interesting point, man. So um, did, would you uh, – does your high-end work? Do you, does that include PTSD and, and – uh, uh, Yeah, and we call it post-trauma distress. Post-trauma – oh, because because you don't like disorder, right?
0: Well, it's not a disorder. Okay. It's malfunction of a system, a survival system, got hardwired into us. It's um, a malfunctioning h- system, so it can be repaired. If and- you have a disorder, you're stuck.
1: Okay. And that's, that's like the, the clinic, that's the psychology uh, perspective that a disorder is, you're, you're fixed in that?
0: Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. We can, we can give you coping mechanisms, uh, coping skills, right? But there really is no cure. Psychology, there's not a, there's no record of psychology ever curing anyone of anything. Okay. Because it's not the purpose.
1: It's coping, coping with what you're stuck with,
0: Coping so that you can have a a better life. You can live a better life. Okay. Well, that's you focused.
1: Yeah. Um, Can you explain? So uh, I I already lost it again. So you don't say PTSD. You say
0: post-trauma distress,
1: post-trauma distress. Okay. Okay. Because
0: there's an emotional intensity to, to, so we live our life based on what we believe to be true. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a principle that I call emotional conflation. Mm -hmm. This feels like that, so this is that.
1: Yeah, it's an analogy. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. Well, that's what happens with post-trauma distress. This reminds me so much of this. Ah. That I believe this is that.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we live our life based on what we believe to be most true. So what helping people understand that was then that's a different time, a different place, a different set of circumstances, different people speaking the truth Mm -hmm. about that, helping them take control of their breathing so that they can interrupt the uh, neuro neurobiological physiological uh, chain reaction that takes place when you feel fearful yeah. So we're addressing the whole person, but we're coming back to what's true.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Warren, that's so good to hear because um, I, I don't know a lot about counseling, uh, biblical counseling. I know that I know uh, a lot of the caricatures of, of several different you know, of the types of psychology and counseling used in Christianity uh in Christian circles, and I a lot of people will, will dump on biblical counselors and counseling as being a bunch of fundies who just throw the, throw Bible verses at stuff.
0: Some are. Oh. That's not an inaccurate assessment in okay. some cases.
1: Okay, okay. Well, it, it's been so encouraging to talk with you uh, just in the short period of time and before we started recording to see that you and, – and I've looked you up and listened to some of your stuff – that you, um, you know your science as well and you do have the credentials uh, of being – you know, you have a dissert, uh, a PhD in psychology, and so you can speak to all this stuff. You, you also said that you keep up to date on uh, psychology, psychological yeah,
0: I get, research. I get Psych Central, I get Medscape Psychiatry, I get I get all the the you know the email notices, and oh, we got this new study. But what I've noticed is about every seven years or so, they recycle the same stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I made a I made a comment several years ago. Uh, like ADHD, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you take a look at the symptoms of ADHD and you take a look at the symptomology of childhood trauma, they're the same lists. Hmm. Okay. So a child's response to relational tra- relational trauma especially looks like ADD, ADD ADHD. Yeah. Okay. Well, France has less than a five percent ADHD rate. Do you know why? Mm-mm. When they see the symptoms, they send a social worker to the home because they know there's chaos in that child's life.
1: Instead of just medicating them for ADHD or ADD.
0: Right, but the pharmaceutical companies don't make any money on that.
1: Right, right.
0: And that's yeah. a whole nother, That's a whole nother, That's a whole other conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, there's some things I want to follow up on. Okay, so uh, just really quick uh, about the uh, the post-traumatic uh, syndrome, or, or I, I forgot. Can you...
0: Just PTD, post-trauma destruction.
1: Okay, PTD, I can I can work with that. PTD, with PTD, um, you're saying there's like this argument from analogy that's going on in someone's head where they're saying this situation is like this one that was traumatic for me. And so you're trying to uh, you you help them with breathing, you help them with scripture, memory, and and focusing on that. Is I don't really know what to think about unconscious kind of stuff. I know there's like I, I interact with Jordan Peterson a lot because a lot of the guys that I, I disciple listen to Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson, and I, I like some of his practical advice, right? But I have to critique him when he gets. You know, yeah. And I, it's even kind of embarrassing for me to say critique because you know I'm down here. But but anyways, um, he the, the union's talk a lot about this collective unconscious. Is there oh, Paul
0: Jung's language? It's what. That's Carl Jung's
1: language, right? Right, exactly, and he's just—he's pulling it down from Jung, and he'll acknowledge that as well. But so, as a Christian, um, it sounds like when you're with PTD, it sounds like there's there's an unconscious kind of thing going on that's that's not uh, part of their conscious ability. There, th- maybe there's something below the surface. What do what do you make of the un- is the do we have an unconscious? Is that what's going on yeah. with PTD?
0: Yeah, there's a there there. That's that's what that's what habi- habituation is all about. Okay. Things become habituated and we don't have to, they become second nature. Yeah. Habit, right? Yeah. So we get into these patterns and we don't have to think about them. Okay. Right. I mean, um, uh, like, you know, one of the exercises in a, in, in a curriculum we use for counseling, we talk about what are the kinds of things that, that are, have become habituated in your life that you don't have to think about other than brushing your teeth and things like that. Yeah. Well, um, you, someone says something a certain way and you immediately get angry yes yes okay that's a conditioned response Mm -hmm. the thing is is there's something you believe you're entitled to something you, you need something you believe a need you believe can and will be fulfilled in your anger yeah so there's a point to it
1: even though it's not coming, it's not coming through your, your reasoning process. You're not thinking, you know, actively thinking this is going to give me power or anything. It just, it's because it's a habituation. Is that, does that go back to the, you, you've developed neural ruts or neural pathways that lead you there?
0: But we also have to remember, we have to go back to the rebellion in Genesis three. Right. 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 The original sin wasn't disobedience. Hmm. The original sin was the desire to be worthy of worship. Interesting. That's the one thing God had that Adam and Eve did not have. It's the one thing that Satan himself wanted. Lucifer wanted, you know, the 5 eye wills of Lucifer, right? mm -hmm. He wanted to be worthy of worship. You will be like God. I will see myself like the Most High. It's the same old lie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I, I like that. I've heard that too, um, that... It was before just like eating the apple or whatever. It was even in contemplating that and saying, oh, God said this. Satan says, or the serpent says this. Let's kind of weigh the options here as if they were in the place of God uh, when when they weren't.
0: Well, and and add to that, this is what you're entitled to. You're being denied. Yeah. You're entitled to be worshipped.
1: Yeah. You should know right and wrong. You should know good and evil, but you don't. He's keeping something from you. And you'd be like him if you knew that. Right. Yeah.
0: So when you take a look at, the, at any breakdown in human relationship, it's always you're always going to see one or both parties, whether it's individuals or nations or anything in between. Yeah. One or both parties, desiring to be the one most worthy of worship. Okay. Well, so. Uh, so you've got that self-sovereignty driver.
1: Yes. Yeah. I wonder how that plays in though with with um, with trauma. So. Um,
0: I couldn't trust God to protect me. I have to de- protect myself. Ah, 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 ah. Okay, okay. So,
1: um, Warren, I, I, I have a couple examples from my own life that I'm I'm, I'm working through, and I and maybe you could you could uh, point me to some more stuff after this. But so, um, how about, one is one is uh, roaches. I uh, my dad used to tell me all these stories about cockroaches, uh, and there was they lived in this uh, little janky hotel when they when my parents were first married. And my mom took a clock off the wall, and all these roaches came falling all over and disgusting, right? And so he's told me this since I was three, because I'm the I'm the fourth born. My my brother's eight years older. So I got a lot of this stuff way sooner than I should have because you know these dudes are more advanced, and so I just got them too. And so a couple of different stories. My dad would tell me about roaches when I was a kid, and I never had seen one, and it became like this fear deep in I hated roaches. He said, Where there's one, there's millions. So unintentionally, he's developing this, you know. whatever, whatever inside me. So then now if I see a cockroach, um, I, I unintentionally swear and I go into this rage where I smash them and I want to make sure there's totally dead and there's no eggs on my shoes and I'm working through that. But, um, how is that, is that, I don't want to say trauma because it's on the same level as.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. The, the way that the way you were exposed to that narrative and the impact was traumatic. Okay. And we have to understand that trauma comes from the Greek word for wound.
1: Yeah, do, do, you, do you have the Greek word on hand? Trauma. Oh, it's just trauma.
0: It's trauma. Sweet. It's thinking, right? That's lexical. Okay. It's transliterated. And it means wound. Yeah. Well, what wounds one person, depending on resiliency factors and all everything else, may not wound someone else. Yeah. So trauma is very personal and very subjective. Okay. So we want to get away with the idea that you shouldn't be traumatized or shouldn't have been traumatized. Okay. Okay. Want to yeah. Get the idea together.
1: Okay. And that, that that's a new way of thinking for me that I'm, that I'm also working through the Lord's bring me through that in the last couple of years. Cause I, I grew up uh, wrestling and playing football and it was, you, you stuff that stuff down, you know, you'd be a man. Right. And, and there's a, there's a biblical way of being a man and there's a, a American way and the American way is not biblical. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you and you know that too. Going on in martial arts, right? You had a different, yeah. probably, mentality oh, than me, yeah. but similar.
0: Yeah. Scout sniper in the Marine Corps. You yeah, got, yeah, it's huge. <laughs> <brought> it <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you know it. You've been through okay. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but understanding that you put two things together, and cockroaches represent the greatest danger. They're not their great, but they represent that. It's a way for you to solidify your greatest fears. Yeah. When we look at anger, anger is, a, is an umbrella. It, it's, it covers fear, pain, fear of pain, fear of loss. Yeah. So the question becomes, I'm angry because I'm fearful.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: okay. Now, the fear, I, I cannot trust God to protect and defend me. I have to do this. Yeah. I have to destroy this threat. Yeah. Whether it's a real threat or not, because I believe it is, this is what I have to do. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I And usually the thing we fear the most is that the worst thing that might be true about us as a person is what's true. Yeah. I, I'll give you a, a story from my personal life. I hadn't been a believer Uh, I had been a believer for a while. I'd actually was um, um, interning, um, working toward my um, um, coordination. Mm -hmm. And um, I I had a a full-time job, you know, and at the end of the day, we would go back back to the yard, clean up our equipment, go home. And one day I was like, I ended up on this the last job, right? Everybody else is going home as soon as I, I head out on the job. Yeah. Two hours after everybody else. So I come back, Got a, I'm cleaning up equipment. It's an 85 degree sun, sunny, you know, September afternoon, evening. So I'm spraying a garden hose, pressurized. I throw the hose down and it lands on the handle. Water spraying up. Mm-hmm. I came apart. venting, raging, screaming, cursing. Right. Yeah. And I'm, and and at the same time, I'm going, what is wrong with me? Right. Yeah. And God helped me recognize that there was this little voice. See, everything your dad ever said about you is true. You are so incompetent. Uh. You can't even put a hose down. Right. See, what happened with the hose rep- was proof that the thing I feared the most was the thing that was true. Yeah. So it wasn't about the garden hose at all.
1: Yeah. Right. Wow. And
0: that it, it brings a
1: new level of seriousness, uh, to a lot of different stories in my life or, or, or people that I've observed obse- observed and, uh, it's, Things become way less funny when you see someone freaking out about something, and you're like, thinking about it this way. It's like there's there's probably some trauma that that happened that's that's being uh, that's being brought out. It's not about this little thing that happened, which looks kind of funny from the from a third person perspective, but which is actually a serious. Something. thing. mind, yeah,
0: they need something to anchor them and to center them and to bring them back into the present moment into reality. Yeah. Hey, what are you okay? What's talk, talk to me about what's going on. Yeah. a hand on them call me down talk to me tell me what's happening yeah do you know where you are do you know that you're you know do you know that you're in your living room or do you do you know you're at do you know you're at Albertson's do you, you're in yeah. the parking lot do you, do you recognize that's where you are do you recognize talking someone through that yeah they have no control over that right so there's something wrong with them yeah if, if the system the survival system got hardwired into them is malfunctioning
1: yeah yeah. Man, that's a great point. Oh, wow. That's, that's so interesting to, to be thinking through there. Um, Well, oh, man, I want to, Warren. So when we experience trauma, uh, so my friend who, who did his, his uh, dissertation on theology and trauma talked about how, yeah, just like you said, this is a, a term from like the, the medical community and trauma usually like you have skin trauma or whatever. Uh, when we are experiencing trauma or when, when we, When we think back on trauma that we've had, what is um, being traumatized? Uh, Because it's not like the it's the soul. Okay,
0: okay. God's original design and created order is for us to be in safe, caring, loving, nurturing relationship. First, with our biological parents, who are going to be lovingly married to each other for their whole lives. Uh Our nuclear family, our siblings, if we have any. Okay. Our extended family. Yeah. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, an expanding circle of relationship. Yeah. Well, the closer into center and the earlier that design is fractured, mm. the deeper and more significant the impact on the human soul, because it's on a soul level that we connect with God and each other. That's yeah. the, the Mago Day. That's what separates us from the rest of creation. Yeah. Right? So take a brand new piece of aluminum foil off the roll and lay it on the counter. Look down at it. You see your image reflection reflect mm-hmm. Now, wad that up and flatten it out. What's happened to that image?
1: Yeah, it's all distorted.
0: It distorted and fractured. Yeah. Well, do that again. And again. And again. It So, when we experience relational trauma, it mangles the human soul. And the yeah. more it continues and the longer it goes on, especially the closer into the center of God's original design, that that design is, is fractured.
1: Yeah. Warren. So, so it's, so we we're experiencing the trauma on our soul. I love that analogy of the aluminum. Does that um, bear out like physical markings in, in our, um, uh, in our neural, uh, does it leave marks in our brain?
0: Well, it, it really does because we have to remember the brain is like a piano and the mind is like the pianist.
1: I love that. Yeah. We talked about that the other day. Yeah. It's yeah. great.
0: So, understanding that um what happens um to 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 what i believe to be true i'm going to use the mechanism right Mm -hmm. i learned to use my brain and my body in order to accomplish what i believe i need to accomplish right and that i've learned very i learned very early that um I have to be quiet. I have to be hidden, right? I have to be yeah. invisible, yeah, right. But underneath all of that, I'm in great danger, and I have to escape if there, if there's at all possible. Mm-hmm. Well, then we get to a certain place where that shifts over. If I destroy this threat, I never have to be afraid again,
1: right? Yeah. Okay. Well, so I, I can imagine. I, I may have heard this before, um, but um, well, let, so. um, there's a neural link, um, which is if uh, are you are you familiar with that? Have you heard of neural link? OK, so because of uh, Elon Musk and this neural link thing that's going in your brain, people are starting to say on the, on the more popular folk level that, yeah, we'll be able to uh, turn off uh, different like C fibers that so you're not experiencing pain anymore. And um, I can imagine someone saying we can locate the trauma areas in your brain. And if we fix those trauma areas, that will fix
0: that's the- what EMDR is about.
1: Yeah, yeah. What do you think about that?
0: Can you explain what that is actually for our listeners? Yeah. Uh, eye movement desensitization and retraining. Yeah, um, I actually did a blog post on it not long ago after addressing it in um, our crisis, loss, and trauma counseling module. Uh huh. Um, the, it's again you have you have you have a psychologist. Uh huh. Who um, experienced something herself, decided to experiment with it with some of her patients. Efficacy is completely up in the air. <laughs> I've dealt with people who've been, been, been extremely traumatized, re traumatized, and deeply traumatized by experiencing EMDR. Wow, okay. Right. And so basically, I'm going to move my hand, right, while you think about the trauma, or this trauma event. And, and you just follow it wherever it goes. Well, well, the problem is that's actually one of the 12 forbidden spiritual practices in the Old Testament. It's called enchantment. Okay. Enchantment is using human voice, music, or movement to gain psychic control of another. And that's what you do in EMDR. You surrender psychic control to the therapist who's got no idea what's going on. There's a lot of assumptive language. Oh, well, this is like when you're in REM sleep. Based on what? There's no okay. neurological studies. There's no empirical data. There's no anything. Yeah. Reporting the supposed science of all this. They use scientistic language. Yep. Well, okay, science says. Based on what? Well, hmm. like, like, like Dr. Craig says, sci- there's no science to prove science.
2: Yeah, right. You
0: can't use science to prove science is viable so yeah right yeah uh, so this is part of the problem some people end up helped okay but the underlying the underlying dilemma has not been resolved well and that's that's what what
1: i've come to see through this conversation right so so you can change if you're if you're changing the neuroplasticity if you if, if it does work you still have a uh, trauma on your soul right in, in your in it doesn't seem like just fixing the physical is going to change the spiritual.
0: It can't. It can't. We're synergistic holes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Right.
0: and if That's what the world of psychology does. The world of psychology addresses the physical, the material, because that's all they really believe there is. Yeah. So if, if I'm not addressing the immaterial, okay, well, if I, I, if I'm going to, if I'm going to provide soul care, mm-hmm. I have to go to the, to the source provided by the creator of the soul, right? Yeah. God tells us, makes this de- declaration, that he's provided us all knowledge regarding life and faith,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Everything we need, he's made, he has made sure we had, long before there was psychology.
2: Yeah.
0: Right? Mo- modern psychological theory. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, uh, in the old days, they had a thing called casuistry, Yeah. Which was using the word of God to help people sort through their problems and find God's solutions. Yeah. So before it was called biblical counseling, it was called casuistry. Okay. But that was for hundreds of years.
1: Yeah. Wow. So, um, okay. So, so some, some people listening might, might be saying, well, okay. So you're saying the Bible is the answer to everything. We've already talked about how you want to address, um, the, the whole person and not, not just the mind, but um, is there ever a time where you would feel confident prescribing someone or, or sending someone to be prescribed? Never, this?
0: never, never, never. never okay. ever, ever. You have to understand psychotropics are neurotoxins that are specially formulated to attack the brain and tell it to stop doing what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the brain doesn't want to stop doing what it's doing. mm-hmm so it fights back. That's why they always have to mess with dosage and different medications, And right?
1: Yeah, because it's fighting back.
0: It's fighting back. And adapting. Yeah. Point. Yeah, right. The problem is not the brain. Yeah. The, prob- the, the problem is not the piano. The problem is the pianist. Mm-hmm. Okay. What I believe is guiding my life. Yeah. I have to change what I believe. Yeah. But I was diagnosed with everything. I was diagnosed with complex PTSD before it was even a category. Didn't know how to categorize my stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, borderline schizophrenia. Um, 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 oh goodness. Um, it, it was before it was called dissociative identity disorder. It was called something else. Oh yeah, it was borderline um, uh, multiple personality disorder. Sure. Yeah. 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 Then, then it became uh, dissociative identity disorder. Yeah. I really uh, like that. Well, dissociation is a very real thing that the trauma survivors experience. It's something that God hardwired into us to help us survive su- significant trauma.
1: And that's, that's you're dissociating from the experience. You're, you're trying to pull back from that?
0: Yeah, we remember best what we're most emotionally connected to. So if okay. we're not emotionally connected to what's happening, we're not going to record it in, in accessible memory.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So the thing is, is when you have a child that experiences significant trauma, well, some place between five and eight years old is where a child really begins to distinguish between reality and fantasy. So younger children experience trauma. They go into this dissociation, the, the fantasy world. It's just as real to them as the, you know, the uh, as the you know the, the little blue person on TV is just as real as a brother or sister who's down the hall or a kid that lives across the street yeah. it's all the same okay so they learn to find safety and comfort in that dissociative world more as yeah. they develop whenever they experience traumatic things or things that even feel stressful like trauma they they have they develop a habit they become habituated in going into that dissociative state yeah. So you end up with this weird blend of reality and fantasy. And the thing is is that that the survivor can't distinguish between the two. They feel the same.
1: Wow. Yeah. And because that that the, the power of, of the brain or the power of the mind using the brain, the mind right?
0: Can, and the brain, exactly. Yeah.
1: Can use can can make that feel real.
0: Ex- exactly. Yeah. Right. Because that's safer. And don't forget, my underlying sense of entitlement is I am entitled to feel safe. Well, that's God's design.
1: And so that's a that's a good that's a right entitlement, right?
0: Well, the thing is, is that I'm not entitled to do it on my own. Okay, I actually learned very early to become self reliant and not God reliant. And
1: and um, so I, I could see I could see non Christians saying, "Well, that's a it's, it's a coping mechanism, and um, and it, that's okay." Where we would say. It's it's not okay, and it is a coping mechanism, but it's not okay because it's not part of the the natural order. Now you're supposed to rely on God, and we haven't. And and there's generational sin because your parents didn't care for you the way they ought to. Your father wasn't like God the Father, and so you were you did were well, you, you were forced to do this. Right, you're a little kid. You're not aware of what you
0: what my coping mechanism contributed to that. My my own sin nature is going to have me okay. follow the path of least resistance.
1: Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful.
0: We have to remember, my sin nature has always been at work, and everything I've been experienced. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. So we have to move away from the idea of culpability. Okay. This person made this sin choice. It impacted me this way. I made this this sin choice in response to their sin choice, and that has impacted my life this way. Right so yeah. i can take what this person's choice was and their sin and i can surrender them and their sin choice to god yeah i'm going to take the aftermath of that i'm going to go to god and clean up the mess that i made as a result of what i experienced yeah so it's actually learning to separate those two, and that's a little that's further down the road in the counseling we do we okay don't start there okay <laughs> we don't yeah. start there. but that eventually that will say this is what happened this is who's responsible this is the effect that it's had. This is what I've done with it, and this is what God's remedy is for all of that.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: the,
0: the truth is, it, it has to come into play very, very early.
1: Yeah. So, Warren, what what are you? Um, you talked about it a little bit down the line. What are you doing with somebody who, um, who does have? Well, let's say, like, like schizophrenia. Someone who has been diagnosed or whatever with with schizophrenia. What What is that? And and what are you doing with someone like that?
0: Schizophrenia is where a person has internalized the battle. Mm -hmm. Right? So I've never seen any case of schizophrenia, diagnosed schizophrenia, where there was not significant relational trauma in that person's life as a child.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Never. Matter of fact, uh, Robert Gans wrote a book um psycho yeah <laughs> he 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 worked with schizophrenics in a state hospital mm-hmm. he started applying the gospel to the stories and they started experiencing he, he got fired because it was costing them money
1: wow that's sick right yeah wow
0: if you ever if you ever get a chance to hear him tell a story mm-hmm. He makes you laugh the whole time, but it's sad at the same time. Right, right. But and and I've worked. I've I, w- I was diagnosed schizophrenic.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You're trying to hide from the the pain. You're trying to cope with the pain. You're trying to make it anything other than what it actually is. Yeah. Because the underlying belief is this happened to me because of me. Okay. There was something so wrong with me, something so defective in me, that this person wasn't able to love me enough to treat me the way they were supposed to treat me. Yeah, if I had been different, acted different, said different, this person would have behaved different. Yeah, the sovereignty power, the the sovereignty piece that goes that's in effect right there.
1: Yeah. Well, why? Um. So how? Why does that play out the way it does though? That's, that's maybe, so I get the internalized battle, but I, I, I don't know a lot about schizophrenia, but I, from what I do know, maybe this is just pop culture that a lot of times you'll start hearing voices when you're indoors. And so a lot of homeless people have, have schizophrenia because they don't want to be indoors.
0: Exactly. And, and then that's the thing is that, that that's your own voice and it's, yeah. or, and it's the voice of the enemy. And it's the voice of those people who've, poured these lies into you the thing is is that you re-identify them and relabel them that's how you're able to cope with it
1: okay oh yeah yeah okay that makes sense is that
0: is that part of dissociation you take all that internal battle and you make it an external thing so you don't have to deal with it yeah are you dissociating from them is that well that's part of it yeah there's an element of dissociation in that absolutely you're putting them outside yeah that makes sense matter of fact um um one of the most powerful movies for me was the movie Russell Crowe did called "The Be- A Beautiful Mind." Sure,
1: yeah, great, great movie.
0: I said, "That's my that's my life." Hmm. <laughs> you know, when I watched that movie, I thought, "This is so descriptive of my life." Several years ago, wow, because there was all this stuff going on, and there was a part of me that suspected things weren't what they seemed, but I couldn't nail down why not.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, another thing. So I I probably picked this up during like dare uh dare programs when we were kids, saying telling us not to do drugs. But they they somehow I got the idea that uh, doing cocaine could could bring out schizophrenia in people. Is that is that true, or, or why might that
0: happen? Um, there there's so we have to understand that um, there are certain processes that that. Again, it's the it's the piano, right? Mm-hmm. There's certain processes that uh, the brain engages in in a systematic systematic way. You introduce cocaine; the the um, the systems are not functioning the way they were designed to function.
1: Right? Yeah, you're you're adding in like the the happy juice that's messing with the neurotransmitters and everything like that.
0: Right, and and you're causing the brain to not function in the way that it was designed to function. Right. Right. So underlying so then underlying trauma, underlying factors that the person has experienced that they've learned to cope with, manage all of a sudden the the constraints are removed.
2: Yes. OK.
0: People say, "Well, see that shows that it's a chemical imbalance. Uh, a friend and colleague, Daniel Berger, wrote a book, um, The Chemical Imbalance Delusion. Hmm. He doesn't quote scripture. He quotes the experts. Yeah. That's, well, that that
1: language has made it so far deep into our social imaginary that everyone talks about chemical well, imbalance. It, it's
0: a, it's a construct. You go to a medical lab and ask them to test your brain chemistry, they're going to blow a snot out of their nose laughing at you because there's no such thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's not what we think on the popular level. You know, we think that you can go and do that and they, you know, take a vial or whatever. Yeah.
0: So, we, yes, there are chemicals in our brain, but we don't have a brain chemistry. Yeah. Right. Not like we have a biome, like we have a we have a gut chemistry. We don't right. have brain chemistry. Yeah, we, okay. there's not a construct for that. Yeah, we so that's what and that's what the, these neurotoxins called psychotropics do. It's like somebody diagnosed with bipolar disorder; they're going to give them benzos, which are anti seizure medication. The problem is the brain's not having seizures, so they give anti seizure medication to a brain that's not having seizures, they actually break the brain.
1: Yeah. I've heard benzos are really, really dangerous. Uh, Maybe
0: one of the most aggressive uh, psychotropics available.
1: Well, and I, yeah, and I heard it's really hard to kick. Uh, I think it, it almost killed Jordan Peterson this last year. Yeah. Him, yeah. him trying to get off of, off of them.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 And then, and it's something that has to be approached very gently and uh, gradually. Yeah. Um, because it's so toxic for the brain.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that seizure point is interesting. Uh, if someone's having seizures, are, are you are you diagnose, Are you sending them to to get medicine for for anti seizure?
0: Well, the thing is, is that if somebody, so I have a cousin who has epilepsy and it's okay. severe.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: there are different medications they've tried that basically tell the brain to stop having the seizure, uh-huh. right, or to not have the seizure, right sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't yeah right that's a very narrow application of a very specific m- medication right for what is in it's doing what it's designed to do we have millions of people diagnosed w- basically having brain seizures that are not
1: okay yeah so, so it's the, the problem is is overdiagnosis and and uh, trying to use this medicine for a broader scope than it's intended
0: right so if we can get the brain to stop doing this you won't have the feelings that you do
1: right yeah it's that's so messed up i've seen that happen in, in relatives where they're taking they're taking meds for years and they're not dealing with what's going on
0: Well, they can't and you understand that most of those psychotropics or not intended to be used longer than 30 days
1: yeah that's really terrifying to hear um
0: uh, dr dr Peter Bregan. um i uh, one of my heroes he's Jewish he's not christian
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, but dr Bregan he's um one of the books that he co-authored is your drug may be your problem hmm. and he he goes through and he he demonstrates um he articulates very clearly, these are what these chemicals are. This is what they're designed to do. These are the sides, of the side effects. These are the long-term effects, and yeah. this is what withdrawal is going to look like.
1: Yeah, yeah. if you showed people the some of the withdrawal sim- symptoms, stuff like that, they might be more hesitant to, to well, what's take
0: it. really interesting, too, is they say, well, these are side effects. No, they're not. These are effects of the drug. These are yeah, effects that's... of the drug. They call them a side effect because it's beside what they're after.
1: Right. But that's what the drug does.
0: That's what the drug does. So say yeah. the side effect is, is inaccurate language. It isn't yeah. effect of the drug.
1: These are the effects. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Um, we
0: can, we can, we can, words matter. We've got to take the, the language back.
1: Right. Warren, we've been going for over an hour. Do you, do you have a little bit more time? Sure. Okay. Um, there's just a, a, a couple more things that I'd love to talk about. Um, so I'm curious about social anxiety. Um, is the, What do you make? So, so psychologists talk about so, um, social anxiety. Psychiatrists give medicine for social anxiety. Um, I felt some social anxiety, I think, uh, before. And I probably get my response to that is to be trying to, trying to be a jokester, right? I want to I'm going to control this party or this group of people by making them laugh. And then I have mastery over the and I'm OK. I'm safe now
0: anxiety is about yeah. anxiety is fearfulness over potentialities yeah oh man that's so good that's such a good that's such good language okay so if we understand that when a person is feeling anxious they're they're trying to put out fires that haven't been lit they're forecasting a future that probably will never happen yeah but they don't really have a faith and trust in god and his providence yeah so there's a breakdown in their Understanding of the nature and character of God, and their confidence in some aspect of the nature and character of God, so they believe they have to do this. Yeah, right. They're the only one. That, the thing is, I can't. I have to trust me. The problem is, I can't trust me. Who? Of course, that's going to make me anxious. Yeah, right, right, right. right? right. Yeah, because yeah. In, in understand fear. All right, there are certain neurobiological, physiological processes that get activated when we experience fear. Mm-hmm. Right. so one of the things is the amygdala gets activated the amygdala says we're in danger it sends out hormones throughout the brain and the body right and you get um epinephrine is one that gets released which gives you high energy and all that cortisol is another which is a preservative it it, it holds on to the energy and makes it last and preserves it kind of stretches yeah. wow yeah well um and Your brain cannot tell the difference between a real threat and an imagined threat. Yeah, right. It doesn't make that distinction. The mind can do that, but the brain cannot. Mm,
1: That's good distinction.
0: Yeah. Right. So the brain says, "Danger! This is what this is what I know how to do. This is Mm -hmm. how I know how to deal with the danger." The problem is that here's a word picture I use often. If you're walking down the sidewalk. And you hear a racing car engine coming toward you and a car racing toward you and jumps the curb and comes at you. You are in danger. Yeah. Right. Your brain, your body, everything is going to respond. And hopefully you're going to get out of the way and survive. Let's say though, that you hear a racing engine, a car racing down the street and you fear that it's going to jump the curb and put you in danger Your brain and your body are going to react as if that's a reality. Yeah. because of what you believe. Yeah. Okay. The car goes right on by. You've got all this epinephrine, this adrenaline. You've got all this stuff going on in your system. What are you going to do with that? Hmm. There's no tangible threat for you to direct your physical energy at. Yeah.
1: And you're not jumping out of the way. No.
0: Yeah. So people end up feeling anxious about life i've counseled people who woke up in the morning and as soon as they realized they were awake started hyperventilating they were so anxious about life
3: Hmm.
0: okay well we address that um with our underlying belief system you really can trust god you're not really in danger Mm -hmm. imagined danger is not real danger yeah um but another thing we teach them how to do is we teach them how to interrupt the physiological pattern. Okay. So uh, one of the things we teach them to do is we teach them to just take the pad of your finger and put it on the philium. The two little lines going down and mm-hmm. press down. So it forces you to close your mouth and breathe in through your nose.
3: Hmm.
0: Okay? So what that does is it oxygenates the blood. Okay. High oxygenation of the blood will, Neutralize or release of cortisol, which starts to interrupt the physiological cascading.
1: And and that will interrupt that process of hyperventilating. Right. Okay.
0: Blood out. Breathe in again. And in your mind, say I am not in danger. Yeah. You're using both the mind yeah. and you you are you're you're making a rational, conscious decision to take control of the physiology. Yeah. Wow. So that shifts all the energy from the rear of the brain to the, the front, which is rationality and reason. Yeah. So you're using the physiology of the brain. You're using the, the the neurobiology of uh, hormones in the body. Yeah. But you're also using the conscious mind to speak truth.
1: That's great. I love that. So um, what, Okay. In the imagined scenario of the car jumping the curb and hitting you, are I'm sure it probably happens uh, several different ways. It's probably some people actively thinking about that, but in others, it's probably more subconscious or just...
0: a uh, 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 habit of, of, of habit. believing they're, that everything is going to be a catastrophe. The worst possible scenario is, so they're not speaking the truth. Yeah. And they're focused on things that not only are they focused on things that are not real and true, they're focused on them being self-sovereign.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: They don't realize they're basically accusing God of moral failure. God is not going to, and cannot show up for me the way I need him to. Yeah. I have to depend on myself. Yeah. I have to be self-sovereign. Well, if that doesn't make you anxious, nothing will.
1: <laughs> Seriously. Especially if you have a bad track record, right?
0: Yeah. Which we all do. Which right? we all do... <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, well, so okay, this brings up just a, a few more things. So, um, let me think. Um, it, I'm thinking just the limited bit I know about personality types, and you and I, I don't think you agree with those or like the the personality traits. There's there's like the the neurotic personality type, and I, I think of someone who's who's neurotic who who. Maybe that's a derogatory word. I don't know the appropriate language. Um,
0: when we talk about neurosis, I mean, it's a clinical diagnosis. And you have to understand all these diagnoses, they say, okay, when we see these things together, we're going to call it this. Okay. They decide all of that by committee. You know that, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The DSM is all based on committee decision. It's not based on science. It's not yeah. based on studies, not based on any of that.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Right. So they say, when we see these things together, we're going to categorize it as this. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so they'll say, well, we have these eight symptoms, and if you have at least five of them, then you have this diagnosis.
1: Yeah. Well, is, there, is there a biblical uh, counseling um, cor- uh, a, a analog of uh, neurotic where someone who is who is always thinking that uh, everything's going to go wrong?
0: Yes. What we tell them is, is, is you're saturating on things that are not true. Okay. You're believing things that are not true because you, what you saturate on is what you believe. What you believe is what you live. Okay. But God has not given you a spirit of fearfulness. God has given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Yeah. What is it that you're anxious about? What is it you really believe is going to happen? How bad do you think it's going to get? Think about what, what God's, through Moses, God tells um, Joshua, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Yeah. Right? Well, what's interesting about that, that's in the third person. When you look at at Hebrews 13, 5, the writer of Hebrews under the guidance of the Holy Spirit took that same passage and put it in the first person. Yeah. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you.
2: Mm
3: -hmm.
0: This is about God's character. So you have to learn to connect with the reality of who God is more than you connect with what you're fearful of.
1: Yeah, and and that's what that's what's so cool you, w- about what you've already talked about in this podcast about um memorizing scripture, saying it out loud, so you you're internalizing it, but then you're hearing it too. Another aspect, uh, getting in there, and then reminding yourself, "Hey, I'm not in danger, or uh, I'm not in danger." And God, uh, I'm casting my cares on the Lord because He cares for me. He is powerful. He is sovereign. I'm not. I don't have to be. I don't need to be. I don't get to be.
0: Yeah. Well, what's interesting is when we talk about. Saturating on Scripture, physically reading it out loud. I've got a uh, picture I use, a, a slide in my presentations I use, and it's it's uh, four stills from an fMRI fluid um, uh, magnetic uh,
1: resonance
0: imaging. Mm-hmm. So when you take a look at one picture, when a person's seeing the words, the the re- the lower brain is engaged. This is where the the uh, amygdala is, is where information is taken in and stored uh, or sorted and categorized all that. Right. Well, then you take a look at where a person is speaking the words, right? So now they they see the words and they read them. Okay. Well, you've got uh, in midbrain where um, the hippocampus and uh, memory and it with a tail into where emotion is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then when you hear those words, The whole midbrain is lit up. This is where memory and emotion are highly activated and you sort through and compare it with everything. Interesting. But then when you think about those words, Mm -hmm. the prefrontal cortex is fully engaged. Yeah. Rationality and reason. So when you physically read the word of God out loud, all four major regions of the brain are engaged simultaneously. Wow. Wow. Thank you, neuroplasticity. Thank you, neurology. Yeah. Oh, look at how God saturating on the Word of God works! Yeah, so cool. How it works because the Word of God is living and powerful,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah, it is God breathed, theonoustos. Mm-hmm. It's alive. It's living. Yeah, right. Yeah. So when we're saturating on the Word of God, we have the very breath of God breathing into our hearts, minds, and souls, connecting. By the Holy Spirit to the Holy Spirit's own voice. Yeah, you can't get a more dy- more powerful dynamic than that.
1: Yeah, and, and and that's that's really huge. Another thing that's in, that's important and which is cool about you is that. So we, we didn't finish your story, but you you moved uh, you you went to that childhood um, that that parenting class at the church, and yeah. then through through
0: that you became a christian is is that so so these people really loved me to the lord um yeah. I, uh, I was very much a jarhead i was you know um so uh yeah I, I one afternoon uh one june afternoon i'm sitting in a van having a chicken sandwich from Wendy's at a park and I'm sorting through all the stuff I've been hearing. And I said, OK, God, if you're real and this Christianity stuff is on the up and up, you're going to have to show me because I got nothing else. Yeah. Um, and I kind of an interesting side note. We talked earlier about Koan and yeah. some kinds of things, right? Well, there's an old story um, that talk about this German philosopher heard about this philosophy coming out of Japan called Zen. Mm-hmm. So he wrote letters and he got ex- was invited to have an audience with the lead sensei of this dojo in in Japan. Yeah. He travels by 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 ship, he gets there, and the sensei has set up the cha no yu, the formal tea ceremony, beautiful ceremony. Yeah. Right. Well, this guy's all excited about what he's learned and how he's just dis- discovered all these things. So he's sharing this with a sensei. And he's going, and the sensei is non, just un, unwavering, goes through absolutely everything. Beautiful tea ceremony. He finally gets to the place where he starts pouring tea in his guest's cup. And they have an interpreter there. And he pours and he pours and he pours. And the, the tea comes all the way up to the top, gets that little bubble, and he continues to pour. And then it starts going, and he goes, stop, stop, my cup's over full. And the sensei sets down the, the the teapot, and he turns to him through the interpreter and says, "As with you, my friend, if you would know Zen, you must first empty your cup." Huh. So I'm sitting there eating this sandwich, and I said, "If if if you're real and Christianity is on the up and up, you're going to have to show me." And it was almost a, like a voice that said, "Warren, empty your cup."
2: Huh.
0: I still get goosebumps. About that. And that was 33 years ago. Oh. Wow. It was just like empty your cup. I have got to completely surrender yeah. everything. Okay. And so um, I actually went to church for the first time the next day. Um, and I was hearing things differently than I have ever heard them before. Mm-hmm um i started reading the bible and comparing everything that i knew everything that i had taught with what the bible and i was looking up things like crazy and some place along the way i ended up with a reader's digest bible and en- uh layman's Enzy- bible encyclopedia yeah yeah so i'm looking up ev- absolutely everything and i had a sense of urgency i was starving because all of a sudden What I'm reading is making sense to me like it never had yeah Um, it really came alive for me uh and I realized I was way behind I'm 31 years old I need to get with a program here yeah um so a a, a little bit like we talked about very quickly I realized I need to learn this stuff more systematically Mm -hmm. I need to be trained by people who really get this because I need to be able to teach this instead of what I've been teaching. I need to go back and undo what I've been doing. Yeah. So the denomination we were part of had a a directed study program, was a bachelor ministry program through the Bible college. And so mm-hmm. you worked with a proctor and an advisor wherever you lived. So you did all the studies and did all turned in all the papers, and then they, you would have these exams and you worked with a proctor, right? Yeah. So I went through that bachelor ministry program in 14 months, <laughs> right? And I was like, um, and on Sunday evenings, now we're we're talking back in the late '80s, right? Yeah. On Sunday evenings, on the radio, there was a guy named James Montgomery Boyce that had this Bible teaching program.
1: Legend, yeah.
0: Right. Well, and that's how I learned about how the Bible's supposed to be taught was listening to to Doctor Boyce. Um, But he kept mentioning this guy, D.A. Carson, Don Carson, right? Yeah. It's like, who is this guy? He talked about hermeneutics, and he talked about you know brilliance, and he talked about Pauline Corpus and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I went to the Christian bookstore, and they had a used book section. I mean, you know, uh, um, married, three little kids, getting into ministry, working full time, and now I'm trying to study this stuff. Yeah. I found everything I possibly could in the used book section by this D.A. Carson. Um, and I found out that he was at TEDS. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a letter and explained my situation. He invited me to apply to brand new distance learning, THM. They had a biblical studies with a focus on hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> hermeneutics is my first love. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so I... they. The program the way the program was set up, they would send you the cassette tapes of the lectures. Yeah. You would you do the reading, you'd do the reports, you'd snail mail it all back, right? And then you'd get your grades and stuff. Well, the way it was set up was at at the end of your term, you'd do a four-day on-campus intensive. Mm -hmm. So you were in classes like six and a half hours for four days. Crazy. each, Each day, right? Well, I just I just worked at my own pace, right? So I actually went through that program in 19 months. Wow. But they had a dual program they were offering. Dr. Walter Kaiser was our academic dean back in 89
3: and
0: 90. Mm-hmm. And he I, I did Old Testament exegetics with him at the same time. My goal was I do the parallel THM track that provides all of the credit hours I need, then to do a dissertation for the THD in biblical yeah. studies, right? That. That's what I'm after. But the whole time, God has me doing biblical counseling, opening the word of God, helping people, mostly trauma survivors.
1: Was this through church or where was this at?
0: Well, yeah, well it was a, uh, I, I was saved in uh, Church of the Nazarene.
2: Yeah.
0: I escaped there. Um, um, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Yeah. Kind, of, kind of a little humorous, but I was still a little rough around the edges back sure. in those days. Um, but I escaped that and ended up at a community church, um, but it was all through the, the, originally through the Church of Nazarene, and then I got connected to a uh, Evie Free Church. Okay. Uh, but all the while, you know, so I, this community church I was on staff at, or interning at, god just helped them discover i was able to help people i would just have conversations and people would mention the senior pastor or the you know the lead pastor the teaching pastor or somebody yeah. oh you know, I talk to Warren. it was really helpful and he helped me recognize you know that what i've been struggling with you know god's word addresses they and these guys are like i've never i've never been exposed to god's word being used that way right One of the books I was required to read very early was J. Adams' Competence Counsel. Dr. Adams just passed away a few weeks ago, but he's the the founder of the Modern Biblical Counseling Movement.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I actually did training with him and certification with him in 89, what used to be called NANC. Uh, Now it's called ACBC. Yeah. Uh, Right change the name for protect the guilty no I, mean, um, <laughs> I
1: work for campus crusade so we we call it crew now i know all about name change yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah um anyway um um so i was exposed to biblical counseling but the way the biblical counseling back in the in the late 80s and early 90s addressed a lot of the things i was dealing with they, it was like they didn't get it. They don't really understand what's going on here. This is not about rebellion. This is about a, a, a wounded, uh, a broken belief system that got established when this person was a child, and they're stuck there. Yeah. And that's where that's where biblical counseling movement got a little bit of a bad name.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Doctor Adam had a very unique pr- approach: admonition and obedience that worked for him. Yeah. Problem is in the nine early nineties, people were trying to to clone that. But if you don't have the pedigree, the background, I mean, you know, his his area of expertise was uh, was New Testament Greek. Yes, right. So yeah. people don't have that pedigree, and they're trying to duplicate what exactly. he's doing. So they basically came across as as bullies. Yeah. Um. And so. I'm more the procliteos, right? I'm more the come alongside the First Thessalonians five fourteen approach.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, which that's why I'm with IABC International Association of Biblical Counselors because that very much is the approach. Um, yeah. It's not. It's not reformed. We got to take that word back too. Yeah. Um, um, it, it's. It's not staunch leaning hard toward Presbyterianism. Okay. Um, it's, it's a broader tent yeah. and we really focus on training everyday believers. So it's, it, it doesn't have the high academic expectation. It's academically rigorous, but doesn't have that high, um, you know, so we've got people in their sixties who go, go through our training and become, you know, better equipped to do it. But anyway, so I was doing biblical counseling all along the way but a Bible teacher doing teaching theology. We have a systematic theology program that we were teaching apologetics, doing all of that stuff. Yeah. But all along the way, God had me doing biblical counseling. Yeah. And then about 15 years ago, God says, I want you to focus primarily on the biblical counseling aspect of ministry. Yeah. So, um, I've been training and developing biblical counselors now for about 15 years.
1: Okay. well, One that last point is so, it's so cool to see God's uh, work in your life, even through all the hard stuff and um, bringing you through that, but then bringing you through psychology, because there's just a credibility aspect where people can go, oh, you're just a funding. Well, we can talk psychology. You want to talk psychology? Let's talk. Or, or, um, you know, you you biblical counselors take scripture out of out of uh, you rip it out of its context and well, no, I, I know some hermeneutics too. We can talk hermeneutics. And I, I love that about you because God has has uniquely qualified you to be a good voice for this movement. I, I really appreciate that. Not everyone has to do that, but I'm glad that He's given you that that story. Um and, and so I'm really encouraged by that. And, and that last point too about people. Kind of taking it up on their own without proper training without understanding scripture well you know grabbing verses out of that does happen and that's a it that gives biblical counseling a really bad name and it messes with people's lives
0: yeah our number one our number one tool is properly interpreted scripture mm-hmm. properly applied yeah that's why in our biblical training program in our biblical counseling training program and our it uh, through our counseling institute yeah Level in we have level one and level two. Well, one of the required courses in level one is hermeneutics. Yeah. So you're going to get twelve weeks of hermeneutics in our biblical counseling training program. Yeah. Right, because, um, I I mean, it's to me it's like a no brainer. If I have to properly apply properly interpreted scripture, I need to know the rules of engagement. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And hermeneutics is my first love. It's my favorite module to teach. Yeah. Did you end up
1: studying with with Carson then?
0: Yeah. 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 Fantastic. So, I yeah, I've got my my THM at 90 there, 91 with Dr. Kaiser the following. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, so Car uh Dia Carson taught he's emeritus now. So right. he's he's retired. Yeah. He's
0: retired. yeah.
1: Yeah, but uh, me and uh, um, our mutual friend, we, we we were able to take a, a class from him, uh, biblical theology, and that was uh, intensive, you know, over a winter break. So I had the similar experience of having, I think ours was eight hours a day for like seven days or whatever with him. Just amazing, laying out scripture and.
0: Oh, and, and what's what used to amaze me you now? Remember eighty nine and ninety, right? Yeah, yeah. He would still walk up to the lectern with no notes. Yeah, he's a beast. He he's got it in there deep. Yeah. He reads what seven hundred books a year. I think he's coming down to like three hundred or four hundred.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's taking stuff.
0: Step- <laughs> <laughs> Just but amazing. Yeah, it was like um, um, that's why I was so fascinated. Yeah. That when you've got that kind of a mind, and and um, um, but he's actually the one that taught me. Uh, when you stand up there and say, "Thus saith the Lord," yeah. the Lord better say, "Thus."
1: Right. I've learned that from him, too. Yeah. And he's got the you got this like healthy respect from him. You know, he's a little bit terrifying for me, too. But uh, but there's a mutual respect. And so when he says something like that, it it sticks in there and you go, holy, you know, I really need to be careful what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. And he says, you know, he's he's he said the the warning of James three one is not casual.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You would just stand there and look at you like the
1: <laughs> don't, do don't do it you're going to give me some kind of reaction here yeah oh man so uh warren this has been huge man i've really appreciated talking with you here uh i'd love to do do it some more and get some uh get some more insights from you some sometime in the future would you be willing to come back on yeah,
0: i i'd love to uh, th- i love talking about this stuff i love exposing the body of believers to the reality of of biblical counseling That biblical counseling is actually biblical right You know it it it, it's it's not the stereotypical stuff yes some people have gotten it wrong yeah some people have 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 have, um misused it but by and large i I serve as a vice president of ibc Mm -hmm. right and we have several hundred members and and people who train qualified as biblical counselors and i know many of these people i know all the leaders of course But these are people who desire God's absolute best for every person that God puts in front of them. Yeah. Okay. The very best is a vibrant relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the heart of authentic biblical counseling.
1: Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's huge. So uh, so Warren, if, if someone were uh, to to be interested in this and want to find a biblical counselor or want to find some more of your work, uh, w- w- where should they go?
0: So they can find a lot of what I have available. Some of what I have available is on my blog, pastorlam.com. Yeah. Um, if you go to T-I-L-B-C-C, for mm-hmm. Truth and Love Biblical Counseling Center, T-I-L-B-C-C.com. It's a landing page. From there, you can go to uh, you can go down our training avenue or our counseling avenue. Okay. There's a lot of material on the counseling page, on the counseling website. Um, under resources, there's videos, there's things I've written, a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh, there's also some training videos of other uh, leaders in the biblical counseling movement. Uh, Daniel Berger is one of those. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of free material there. If um, they can find out more about... If they they're looking for a biblical counselor, um, they can um, for IBC ACBC has their own line. Um, IBC right now the best way to do that it would just be email member services, okay, and say I'm looking for a biblical counselor in this this area. Yeah, um, we're updating our website right now, so we're kind of in that interim place. Okay. Um, um but and the the, the uh, email for that is member services at IABC.net. Okay. Member services at IABC.net. And um we're kind of a skeleton crew right now till next week, but um um yeah we anything we can do to help people become better trained, better qualified, um, or or just have a conversation right. about what we're what we're up to.
1: Yeah. Man, well, this has been awesome, uh, Warren. You've been a, a wealth of information. I can't wait to do uh, another uh, episode with you. We've got all these things popping up in my head right now. I've been writing down this whole time. Thanks so much for for all your time. This has really been helpful for me, and I'm sure our, our listeners are going to love it.
0: Well, I I I thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. And uh, Parker, I, I have to tell you something that I told our mutual. I tell our mutual friend. Yeah. That um, when I meet young men like like you guys and and others. Um, it gives me hope for the body of Christ for the future, because I'm in my 60s, hmm. right? To see God raising up men of God, men of the faith, men of the Word, who are unshrinking and uncompromising when it comes to the truth, yeah. that gives me a, a sense of hope and encouragement for the body. Because, okay, we can go ahead and back out through the back of the band, and you guys <laughs> can take it, and it's going to be okay. okay? So, um, I really appreciate what. The ministry that you have and, what, and uh, your faithfulness to what God has called you to.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. That, that's that's really encouraging. I'm gonna I'm gonna store that one away for for dark time. That's that's huge. Thank you. thank you so much. All right. Well, this has been Parker's Pensies. We're gonna talk about it some more uh, in the future, but for now, that's gonna have to do it. Uh, as always, all glory to God.